All right, let's do this. How are you, folks? How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? Welcome to the show. This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. How is everyone? Was it the first night of Hanukkah last night? Did I fuck that up again? Am I, am I missing it? Do I should could someone check for me, please? Is today the second night of Hanukkah? Do I have to pull out my menorah and my leftover candles from the last 10 years of not finishing the Hanukkah rituals alone in my house? Do I have a yarmulke? Yes. Do I have a kippah? I do. Do I have what you uh, Gentiles would call the hat that one wears, the little skull cap thingy, the disc, the uh, embroidered cloth circle that Jews wear on their heads? Yes, I have one. I don't know if do any of you know the uh, the sort of cockfighting of kippahs that goes on in Jewish communities the uh, the kippah talis cockfight that happens in synagogues across the country oh look who went to Israel last year look at that fancy yarmulke oh where do you get that look at that colorful talis I didn't even know you had options with colors. I thought they had to be just black and white fabric. That's got all kinds of colors and fancy embroidery. Ooh, nice keypod. That's a is that a Sephardic keypod? Look at all the colors. Hey, look at that. Look at that Grateful Dead themed yarmulke that guy's wearing. How many of you know that? I've still got yarmulkes from bar mitzvahs that I stole them from. That's how you know. Yeah, you're you're part of a Jewish family is when you look on the inside of your yarmulke and it says. To honor the bar mitzvah, to honor the wedding, to honor the funeral of so-and-so Jewish person. I have one. I did not light the candles last night if it was indeed the first day of Hanukkah. I will try to light them, but it's a, you know, it's emotional, man. It's emotional. Happy Hanukkah to you uh, Jewish people or those of you who are involved with Jews. Happy Hanukkah. I'll light them. I'll light them maybe at least once. At least once I'll light them. Today on the show... Uh, the wonderful Adam Resnick. Uh, he's got a book out. Uh, yeah, the, his book is pretty fucking funny, man. The book is uh, called Will Not Attend, Lively Stories of Detachment and Isolation. It's available now wherever you, you get books. But more importantly, if you're tuning in and you're like, who the hell is Adam Resnick? Uh, he was a writer for Letterman. He wrote, uh, you know, he was uh, on Larry Sanders, Get a Life, Cabin Boy, Death to Smoochie. We'll talk about those things because I know some of you have the reaction of like, really? Yeah, well, there are good stories behind that. And he's... Uh, Definitely a unique person, and I love talking to him. So that's going to happen shortly. Happy Hanukkah. How do you spell it? Don't know. Don't. A lot of options. A lot of options. Hey, whoever watched my special last night, or I'm sorry, on Friday night, thank you. Thank you for watching on Epics. Uh, I, I don't know where else you can watch it right now. I believe you can go to epics.com to find out how you can watch it there. I do know it will be on, on Hulu in, in 90 days. The people that have watched it, the feedback I got has been positive, but I get the feeling a lot of you can't watch it, and I'm sorry. But uh, you can look into getting Epics, or you can wait till it comes on Hulu, or I imagine eventually it'll show up somewhere. But thank you for watching it if you did, okay? For those of you who live in Nila, northeastern Los Angeles, Highland Park, you might have seen me in a Bugatti kit car being driven down Figueroa Street between 62nd or 60th and 50th in the Nila Highland Park Christmas Parade. 
Uh, Yolanda, the woman who uh, owns a building where hopefully I'm going to be getting an office, she asked me last year, she runs this little parade, and she asked me a couple of years ago if I wanted to be the Grand Marshal, and I thought, like, I will not do that. You know, I am... Uh, I'm, I'm a, a carpetbagger here. I, you know, I don't feel like, you know, I came to this neighborhood. I love my neighborhood. I love my house. When I moved here in 2004, you cannot hang the gentrifying label on me. It was impulsive. I had some money saved from a TV deal. I'd never bought a house before. I was driving around this neighborhood with a friend of mine looking to rent a place in Garvanza. And I saw this house for sale and uh, you know, I talked to uh, the woman who became my second wife and I said, let's buy this house. I had no idea where I was. So now that Highland Park's become sort of this weird kind of hipster paradise and a lot of rock people and our creative people and young families and people that uh, have interesting facial hair configurations and uh, uh, shirt and pant choices have uh, moved in. I don't have a problem with it, but uh, I don't want to claim any sort of you know territory here I, I feel like i'm imposing so you're asking me to be the grand marshal of a parade in a primarily latino neighborhood i felt like you know what what it, it doesn't it's not gonna look right I, it's not right but this year she uh she talked me into it and uh it was interesting <laughs> i i rode in the bugatti the bugatti thing and and i waved i was in front of a, a band i think from uh I don't remember which high school marching band and, and I would wave at people and every couple of blocks they had announcers that would uh, sort of say comedian Mark Marin lives in Highland Park and he talked to uh, uh, to President Obama in his garage here in Highland Park. It was like I wrote the goddamn copy and I was almost overcompensating It's not 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 because I was bragging, but I was like, why wouldn't people that have lived their entire lives here for generations look at me like he's one of the people that are have come here to take over our neighborhood. So the only thing I could think of was like, you know why I, the president came by and you know, he came by our neighborhood and I was excited about that because I love the neighborhood. So I had a tremendous amount of insecurity. And then as I drove by these, they would tell the story in English and then they'd say in Spanish and, and all I would hit, you know, the only thing I would pick up was Senor Marron, uh, Presidente Obama. <laughs> I like Marron. I like it. I think maybe well, I think that would be very affected, you know, in, in an effort to uh, to uh, pledge my allegiance to the neighborhood that uh, that I, I only pronounce it that way. But it was it was lovely. And, you know, I got to eat a nice big plate of Mexican food and I met some local politicians and some uh, people involved with the parade. And it was fun. I was glad to be part of it. I don't know if I'm going to be parading uh, as something I do regularly. But it was a good experience to be one of the, uh, I don't know if I was the Grand Marshal or if there were many, but uh, on the side of the Bugatti, there was a little sign that said, Mark Marin, podcast artist. I'll take it. I'll take it and wave. Wave at those kids. It was, uh, it was nice, and I was happy Yolanda asked me to do it. Um, but again, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm only available for that parade. I'm not available for any other waving jobs, uh, just for Yolanda and just for Highland Park. And uh, uh it was, it was a good first experience for me. Thank you, Highland Park. Right now, my pleasure to, to bring up a guy possessed, possessed by something. He's definitely possessed by an intensity and a speed and an amazing sense of humor. Again, Adam Resnick. The book is uh, Will Not Attend, Lively Stories of Detachment and Isolation. You can get that book wherever you get books. Uh, he's uh, written on Letterman, Get a Life, Larry Sanders, uh, the movie Cabin Boy, Death the Smoochie, among other things that we will talk about. This is me talking to Adam Resnick 
here in the garage. Happy Hanukkah. You know okay. how it is. So you're born wired a certain way, and sure. then on top of that, then I had an awful environment. So in my the way I was wired, yeah, uh, the environment I lived in was the worst thing for my type of wiring. Right. You know, uh, which you were is like a uh, uh, kind of high, high uh, a warrior. Uh, yeah, very much too. a warrior, but not not in a typical way. Um, you know, I know from hearing you with certain things like I, for example, yeah. like I worried about everything. Like I can remember being in kindergarten yeah. and uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and, and hearing a siren in the distance. Yeah. And I specifically remember because my mom had dropped me off uh, and my little brothers, my twin brothers were, I think, in the back seat or something. Uh, they were babies at the time. And I, I heard the siren and my mind immediately went to um, she was in an accident. She's dead. I pictured her. The station wagon flipped over in a creek in my mind a you creek. know a creek went and right went, off the road so went off the road yeah. in a creek partially submerged uh i could picture right. my brothers upside down my mother dead upside down yeah you know yeah that's how i th- and i always um that's just the way it was i i used to get when my like when my parents left town i guess it's 1970 so i'm like seven right uh-huh six or seven and they went away to the orient uh, well, she, you don't call it anymore. I guess uh, Japan, China, Hong Kong. Yeah. They took a trip, and they left me with this old uh, Latino woman who cleaned the house. Right, and she, she was hard. Well, she was okay, but the problem was, I got so sick and nauseous because I kept picturing the plane going into the ocean. Yeah, so that's... it was just pieces of a plane, and I would just wait for the call that they that they didn't find the. That plane. is so me. I mean, and my parents rarely traveled. And I got once sick. in a blue physically, physically, sick. physically sick. Yeah, I. But here's that's the thing. I think that uh, I'm a little different than some people. I think neurosis. It is. It's like snowflakes, or whatever. Yeah. Like it's always slightly different. I was never. I, I never had a Woody Allen kind of neurosis. My biggest, never cute. Well, has never cute and not Jewy, really. It really didn't have that Jewish angle because my family wasn't really like that, you know. Although there, that's still in you. It's it's in you, kind of, you well, know. Do because you it, fight it? I mean, no, oh I, no, I did. I didn't. I, I will tell you, I did always lean towards like Gentile kids. The few friends I had, because I wasn't a person who really sought out friends. Well, but, I noticed that with your sister in law. Like in the book, there was a you know a, a, a reference to Christmas. So I didn't know if your wife was not Jewish. Or she's not you, Jewish, and okay. I could not have I could not have married a, a Jewish woman. It's a, my my I tried my wife. I tried it. I really see. See, that would be better. my wife. Her her complete lack of neurosis. Here's my wife. <laughs> she, which does, is she so have, does she have the temperament of like an animal trainer? <laughs> in a way, in a way. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Although I think I'm I'm. Turning her into an animal. I mean, I, it, it's oh, really? just you know, like no, just in the sense that you're, I, you're I couldn't. I'm breaking I'm no day at the beach. No day at the beach. <laughs> I, you know, I feel that. But she's you know, here's here's my wife's uh, Lori's uh, yeah. way she lives. It, it is uh, she doesn't think about the past. She doesn't think about tomorrow. The day that she's in is the day, and it's a good day always. Really? Because <laughs> yeah, very Gentile that way, and that kind of calms me down. And I'm fascinated. Although sometimes, how often do you fight I, it though? I, it's I, like it's not good. Today I, yeah, I just, no, I yeah, I, I have to try to make her say, you know, you got shit inside you that you don't want to fucking learn about. You don't want to know about. Is that a probably, daily thing? Uh, semi. I mean, look, I, I will say this, you know, any arguments you get in, it's all yeah. it's always me being wrong. I'm an ass. So I'm just I look, I think we're similar in a lot of ways because uh, I fight uh, 
I get angry a lot, which is part of it. And I think that was part of the environment growing up. I'm very because uh, my dad was so high strung and so I'm like always waiting, I love, the book is know, really funny and really uh, honest but like unlike some memoirs some memoirs you know how to end a thing you, you know, like you, you know because sometimes you don't go for the joke the jokes are you know right. earned and, and there's some there's a couple like there was a few moments where I was like laughing out loud Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, but but like sometimes with us, with funny people, when you get to the end, it sort of it, it, it always has a little bit of emotional resonance. You know, you, you know how to end things. It's well, that's good. what you know. It, it, at times, I would, if I was writing it, I would resist some of the fun. If I was something that was really funny that I thought, and I never thought about in terms of jokes. But you're, but, but you're a joke writer, so it's hard that you have the muscle. Yeah, I don't, even the joke. Yeah, I just think yeah, I have the muscle. I have always been sort of. I think looked at things humorously, but nothing like a class clown, and had no interest in comedy or anything. But I was uh, um, the neuro. But but so anyway, the book. There's times where I would actually think that's almost too funny, and I would feel like it was. Uh, you were hiding. It, it, it's you were very hiding much in my emotion. voice. It's yeah. in my voice. Yeah. But I also knew, oh well, that will help sell it too. But I, I I really didn't want it to be. I don't like to think of it as a comedy book or a or a humor book, which I understand. That's how people will. Um, that's why people enjoy it. They, I read a lot. You know, the people find it very funny. But to me, it and I. Re, it's not that I don't realize I'm describing things that are funny, and I describe yeah. them in a funny way. But you know, that stuff is. Um, it was hard. Painful. Some of it was painful to Horrible. think back on. Well, you it's, talked it's, about your father, and and I don't want to cut you off, and I'm no, going to no, sure. because like late in the book, there's this one bit of information that's dropped in a piece that's late into the book where y- y- you know your father's life or what he came from becomes very defined and it was just this moment where you know his father or grandfather was a rabbi Mm -hmm. who came to this country and because they were of a certain class of jew could not find a congregation or practice and was forced into working in a butcher shop yes and then he grew up in in some in poverty uh at being the son of a first generation immigrant who had who had status and prestige in the community and then you know the american experience with him was just you know fighting his way just to maintain himself and his identity and and it, it had nothing to do with being jewish necessarily but but what he comes from is pretty fucking jewish exactly in the worst way and it ruined my dad my dad you know is um had a lot, you know. He is a chip on his shoulder about they. It, it, my my great family, character, by the way. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, well, he he is. He's a great. Is he still great, alive? Yeah, he is. And how old is he? He's like ninety one right now. That may he, he's know, a fighter, feisty. right? He absolutely. He's a tough. Yeah, and and so, but the the, the Jewish. I, I it, my whole life, even growing up, was like those goddamn Jews, you know. And I, and and it's not. He's not a self loathing Jew, but he's. What happened was he would say they ruined his life, you know. And his father. The, we were very. We're peasant stock you know what yeah, I mean? they were not I know what it a is. big thing so he came in and you know and had that whole lower east side experience right. and in and, and getting in fights and learning how to fight and becoming you know really tough you know but he um and the fights were always about you know him being a g you know the kids were everyone was starving then as he describes everyone was pissed off all the in those in those <laughs> slums you know so um he uh his father my grandfather who i vaguely remember there was no love in the family from him or his mother. They didn't express love. They were dirt poor. He didn't have like a temple that he was a rabbi in. They were little satellites. The other Orthodox Jews would come to their tenement, the little little. But I'm dump, talking about the, room they they, lived. where they came from. Where is it? Russia. Yeah, Russia. Yeah, yeah, they came from Russia, and they would. Um, so and my, it, my grandfather, I think, was also a hard guy to get along with. But they made things like my dad had a. But wait, dog. they had services. It was like little. From what I understand, in his little rat hole in the tenement building, where yeah. they had other 
some of my other relatives living. Yeah, there'd be like maybe half a dozen or so Jews, other Russian Jews that would come and he would conduct, I guess, some kind of a service in there. I see. I come from Russian Jews on my father's side. And it's been interesting when we talk about this that you never hear about poverty, you know, especially those fucking, you know, that Lower East Side sweatshop, yeah. uh, all white right. immigrants, yeah. really. Yeah. A lot of them Jews. And you don't even like think about it. But at that time, the, I, I think you were going to get to it is that there was a class structure within Jews, like German Jews. My dad points that out, and I think I mentioned in the book. Yeah, you're yeah. exactly what you're saying, what yeah. you're about to say. Yeah, the German Jews are the look worst. Down, they look down on the Russian Jews. My dad was the thing where, like, I think he might have went through a period where he was defensive about being a Jew, but yeah. the Jews were so bad to him. The stories he would tell about, he had a dog that he loved when he was a little kid, yeah. and they would just tell his father, the rabbi, you know, a uh, rabbi should not own, have an animal in the house. So he had to get rid of his dog. Yeah. My dad, you know, became pretty good at basketball. This is when they moved away and stuff. Then it was about he wasn't, or in football, he, was, he wasn't allowed to play on the Sabbath. He just said, you know, everything is, they, they drove my father nuts. They drove my my grandfather nuts. They, you know, the good grandfather, I think I mentioned in the book, he would come in, they they bring a, a live chicken back in the old days, I guess, and the Jew, and they bring it to the, Rabbi? A, I forget there's a word, this, I don't know how to pronounce it for what that butcher was. So he used to kill it in that, you know, yeah. sort of uh, traditional drained, Jewish, yeah. all that shit. And, um, so they bring the chicken in, and then they would drive him nuts. And he'd come back, you know, all right, so come back and get your chicken, it'll be ready to go around yeah. five o'clock. And they come in, my dad would be, and those fucking Jews, every time they walk in, he'd bring the chicken out. This is not my chicken. My chicken was much larger than this chicken. They drove my poor grandfather nuts. So this is the shit that my dad talks so about. Your dad's he like a some... James Con style Jew. Um, yeah, not as uh, yeah. I guess not. I mean, James Con pretty wild. My my dad no, was. No, I mean tall. Ta big. Oh yeah, muscular, tall. Yeah, yeah. very handsome when he mm -hmm. was. I mean, he was a good looking guy. Your mother was a Jew and, too. Yes, but she was more of a very. Um, Relaxed. They didn't have, I guess, reformed Jews then, but that kind of a uh, her 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 side of the family. They were almost Gentile in the sense of their disposition, but mm -hmm. they were, you know, Jewish, you know, and they, I guess, uh, lightly p practiced Judaism. My dad was forced to practice this crazy Orthodox Judaism, Judaism that, from what I understand, when I talked to him, that mm -hmm. even his parents got no comfort in. They were born into it. It was going through right. what they had to do. It brought them no comfort. Right. His mother apparently is a woman who never smiled. Uh, my dad was a just a lone wolf. His he had a brother and sister who didn't like him. Little no, no love from his father. A little bit of not very demonstrative love from his mother. And he had to go out in the street and get taunted. And he learned you know to fight back. And he, as he said, you know, if they came at me in a gang and they got me, I'd remember and I'd get them one at a time. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'd a... wait for a guy for one year. I'd wait for him and I'd have a fucking brick and I'd remember that and I would just go. And so. He was eventually run out like a social worker. The, the mothers used to come to my grandmother's tenement, tenement doorstep yeah. with bloody shirts and stuff and yeah. say, look what your son did. <laughs> so eventually like a social worker came and said, he's either going to end up in jail or in the electric chair. You got to get the fuck out. So then they moved to Anglewood, New Jersey. It was an, about the most awful Jersey. child. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. Yeah, that's where yeah. mine are from. Oh, really? Yeah. The Jerseys. Yeah. Sure. Jer yeah, yeah. From uh, Morris County. Yeah. Compton Lakes. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember that shit. Do you, where, did you live in Jersey? No, no, no. Harrisburg. Oh, Harrisburg. Yeah, Pennsylvania. You ended up in Harrisburg and your dad was in the insurance racket. Right, yeah. He ended up, he got to Harrisburg, I guess, when he was in like, uh, you know, 10th or 11th grade. So he's actually a little older than my parents. How old are you? I'm 55. Really? Mm -hmm. I'm 52. All right, so you're you're going through life with uh, these, like, with what, three older brothers? Two. Five. No, so, no I have... Uh, 
three older ones, two younger ones. And the older ones were just, it was just complete chaos in the house at all times. It, it was awful. The, this, it the, was, the, the one about your brother, the one who steals, is hilarious. That's <laughs> constant. No, my heart was, I'm sure, you know, beating too fast through my entire childhood. I just could not wait to get out of there. But it totally, like I said, I was, I know I, you know you're born with a certain amount of damage. And we'll never know that whole nature versus nurture thing. Never? But I was in the worst environment for what I was wired for and, I, and my wiring was purely my father's side crazy inbred eastern european russian panic. peasant stock anger anger and panic anger and i and do the panic, peasant yeah. stock too i don't think see people don't fucking you know really talk about this or but maybe it's such a jew thing like i believe there there's you're either like the professor composer jew yeah or yep. you're the you know the guy who lifts things and can do sports kind of no i think about it all the time there's We're actually, like hybrids you and I. Yes. Yeah, I and my dad's side, at both sides, I think there's no, especially my dad's side, there was nothing cultural, nothing. There was nothing artistic. I can tell on my dad's side of anything. Because people forget know? that there were Jewish cops, Jewish butchers. Yeah. Jew, like I remember right. when I worked at a Jewish deli, Shelley, the guy who owned it, says, you know, that's Bernie, the contractor. I'm yeah. like, what he builds things. He's like, no, he's in the mob, stupid. Yeah. Like, and then you realize, like, oh my god, most of, a lot of the mob were Jews. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And I don't know why I'm saying this proudly. We get around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't no, pigeonhole that's, us. Yeah, that's right. We, we've yeah. killed people. Look at Israelis, yeah. and but they're a whole different thing. I don't know what even to deal with the Israelis, but that you, is amazing. That's really, I mean, it's really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's yeah. all frightening it's to me. Yeah. But uh, but you and I seem like you know very similar in in what we come from, and in similar in rage, and yeah. similar in and your brain seems to be going a, a little faster than mine. But it probably always did, because I would immediately get into almost a coma. Like I'd get, I'd get panicked, yeah. and then I'd freak out, and then I'd fall into myself, and I, and I just it, I'd that's what I would do. Yeah, exhaust you, myself. Are you good with? See, the thing is, but you turn. Here's you know again the way everyone that it's similar and there's different thing different things when i'm in the height of uh panic or worry or something yeah. like that i can't work you seem through your because of doing stand-up and everything you use that shit and throw it into your work now in my book yeah i put it into the you know it's in the book however i can't really work when i'm in that state i shut down and i feel my imagination goes away my my everything goes away i'm just depressed and fucked up and i care so i have to have a little bit of a I have to be feeling kind of a little bit of good, which for me is, you know, a very And low, that's what the medicine does. Part. What's it called again? No, it doesn't do it all the time. There's something that's, it's called, called it ProVigil. The, what it is, is, and I take it every now and then. Like I said, I'm an anti-drug guy, uh, anti-psychiatry yeah, guy. I was never into that shit. I didn't, you know, even. You're anti-psychiatry? Well, no, here's the thing. I, um, like when I, How whatever. did you break that down though? So you like, like let me just add, because yeah, yeah. I have some more thoughts. All right. right so you, you look at psychi psychiatry, philosophy, religion. All trying to answer the same questions. None of them a science, really. Right. So in psychiatry, sometimes you know, in your mind, you're like, well, maybe it's a science. And sometimes so they're making more progress in understanding uh, the brain on a cognitive yeah. level. But when you say psychiatry, you mean I'm not going to sit with a guy and tell him my problems because your father didn't like. We that. wouldn't look. I grew up in Harrisburg. <laughs> I didn't know a single. I don't think there was any psychiatrist in town. I never knew a single person. You didn't do it. And in my family, so there's the next you, class. My up. family, you would never do that. My dad would see that as like, you know, first of all, it would never even come. You know, it would never even enter anyone's mind. It didn't, we didn't talk about psychiatrists, and it would probably be seen as a very weak thing to go to a psychiatrist. But, but, but it's interesting because it's a class thing yeah. that, you know, that you were like, not unlike my grandfather, 
not my father. My father, you know, got out somehow and, and moved up. But my grandfather was a bookkeeper, and there was a class of Jews that was it was that first middle class. It wasn't really that moneyed, and it wasn't right. until they really sort of moved out of yeah. New York into real suburbs. So, so in that community, because in the community I grew up in, or I think it's a generational thing, because yeah. you're like your dad's generation is really probably my uh, the tail end of my grandfather's generation. Right. Yeah. They, my parents had kids late. In right. la- later in life. So know? no psychiatry for you. And not to until this- I did eventually, though. Now, that's what I'm saying. I got to a point. Uh, I was doing this uh, show for HBO that I had, it only did eight episodes. Well, that, what I was could, that? It was called The High Life. It was very, it was a mix. It was, I did it for uh, uh, Letterman's company. Some mm-hmm. of it was came out okay. But I was, um, I'm not a real fast writer. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I found myself in a situation where, I didn't have enough support in general on the show and it was all on me and the dates were coming and the scripts were due and I wasn't yeah. happy and I had to write and I'm not a person who can just quickly rewrite shit. Yeah. I can rewrite it. I can do it. Yeah. But if I'm looking down the barrel of like, hey, we need those five episodes next Wednesday, then I, I was in a blind panic. And so I, re- I had a friend who I couldn't know, work. saw someone, could not work, panic attack. And this is couldn't breathe. Cabin boy. Uh, the, no, never. The, you know, it's weird. My panic attacks never get the, that to that degree. They're just something that I can feel it in my stomach, and I just feel, uh, you know, my head shuts down, and I just realize, you know, I was it over my head. It was post Cabin Boy two, where I talked to a friend of mine who I knew saw a shrink. I said, "You have a shrink," because I just I have to talk to someone. I need, you know, I I really because I have to I have to get this fucking work done, and so and that's how I first started. That's how you're in crisis. Yeah, crisis. It was the worst for me. It was I, you know, it was to me the, the it was really a frightening moment. And then so, I eventually started seeing this guy who I liked. I saw him for many years and then stopped seeing him. But he got me on antidepressants, which took a long time to start to work. You know, because he you taper up slowly. Were you depressed? Uh, it, well, I think depression and depression and anxiety is what I have, and also a. Um, I can't whatever it is where you can't stop thinking that's mm. why meditation which I've tried it's like ridiculous I'm never going to be able to clear my head I believe some people can do it not me I can't focus just on my breathing my and so and so <laughs> antidepressants have been helpful for me they've they haven't cured me but if, if I've had like you know a wide amount of anxiety it's now you know uh, a little less than that they've had no I can tell that I don't think there's been any effect on my creativity. Maybe my I'm a little slower in how how fast things come to me. But, See, here's what happens to me know. is like I get to that point of paralysis or I get like overwhelmed and eventually some part of me, some fighting part of me is like, well, you're just going to have to dump this into the world in the form of anger. Yeah. And, 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 and get into the present. Like last night I went into two sets at the comedy store. I hadn't done comedy in a couple of weeks and I was like, thank fucking God I got it, some of it out. And I feel better today, but I was about to yell at my girlfriend. I was about to fucking, you know, I wanted to unload on somebody. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I got. You go right in with it? I got anger shit, but it's not, um, I don't, it's interesting because I've never, never wanted to be, uh, I never saw myself as a performer. I never thought I would do anything. I wasn't interested in comedy. Well, how did it happen? So you're in high school, you're falling into yourself, you're full of panic, you got brothers, it's a terror in the house, it's unlivable, you become an insurance uh, briefly, salesman, briefly, briefly in, yeah. in a very beautiful bit of a, it's a, a nice portrait of the end of a certain type of man and industry. Do you really, I, I really think that, you know, that post-war feeling, there was still a whiff of it right up until even the early to mid eighties. And then things started to change rapidly. When yeah. I started at Letterman, we were on typewriters. When I left, uh, they were just wheeling the computers in, you know, and then, then, you know, isn't that weird that it. it's like that? It's not that long ago, and, and like it wasn't. I, no, that's the thing. It that's what the, for me especially. 
and I think for guys our age, but it affects me like I am. Uh, it fucks my head up that I was were was lived in two distinct worlds. You know what I mean? It's weird I think now we, if you yeah, lose yeah, your yeah. phone, you don't even know who you are for. Yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah. It's like the worst thing that can happen. And I rem- I I had the yeah, first. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, I had the first Macintosh computer. I bought it in college. I was one of the first people to buy it, and I really just bought it as a word processor. It wasn't much good yeah, for sure. anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a one twenty seven something that one, that yeah. big box. That yeah yeah the thing that yeah right. Yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I yeah. bought that it came like with my, a carrying case, but it was a machine. Yeah. What are you going to carry? Yeah yeah. Where are you going with that? It was a <laughs> right. big idea. Yeah, and no one's seen it before. And and I had one. Really? I remember I had one, and I remember what it looked like when you typed in, in in the and I just used it to type and store things. Yeah. But the the idea that you could choose your font was like <laughs> oh my god. Ah. Right, right. I know it was. Yeah, I didn't and that get was it. Yeah. Yeah. that was like 1986, probably 85. Uh, right. See, I didn't get my first computer till probably 90. Well, when they were useless or something. There was yeah. no. I mean, you just needed a word well, that's processor. That's I don't get. Yeah, I bought. It was considered a laptop. It was a Toshiba. I got it out of here at this. I had one here. of those. Remember the place called it was the Writer's Computer Store. Is that still uh-uh. here? The Toshiba Tank. It was, it was like a, a gigantic gray thing, also with a carrying case. But here's what I I find fascinating is especially the early internet days, like when I first. Uh, you got my first AOL account that probably was in the mid 90s, you know, or something like that. But I, right, right. It was so fucking slow and everything on the internet is slow. But we like, why didn't we knew the concept of speed? Why weren't we saying, well, this is bullshit technology? But we were into, how did we not understand? We were or realize, waiting for something yeah, amazing. To realize how slow it was and say, this, this fucking, what's so great about the, doing this? It's just slow. The sound of that dial up. That dial up, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be, it'd be incomprehensible yeah. to, to wait. But now, like it, it hasn't helped anything. It's just made everything move faster. Made our our, our uh, we have adapted to it, so our expectations are equally as fast, yeah. and they usually get met. And then you just go crazy. Well, the main thing is, I agree. For start out, the idea of word processing, processing, so there's no more whiteout or mm-hmm. that tape that I used to put on to oh, write. Oh yeah, whiteout was so crazy. That shit, so it's like, wow, you can just do backspace. Yeah. You know? So for it did become. I don't know how I could have written. Moving uh, really in a way, uh, long form stuff, or even this book. If I was putting a sheet of paper into a typewriter, how do people do it? I don't know. They had more skills. They weren't as sloppy. Everything. Robert very Town sweet. wrote Chinatown on paper. How on paper. did I be revising it and fucking it up and everything? I'm know? sure there were revisions, but yeah. I'm sure there yeah, were he assistants. Did he was able to do it, right? And there were people yeah, right. that helped, and there were people that retyped. I, I have to assume, but you still had to have that basic skill, yeah, and you had to be pretty solid. I mean, yeah, me, yeah. it's like random. I don't have any I'm typing. Like I've gotten the way I do it, but it's, yeah. it's very, it's very yeah, erratic. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I'm always going to fuck up. And and uh, but the entire the entire culture is not capable of editing properly anymore. Everything just falls through the cracks. No one gives a fuck. Even yeah. with computers, they can't spell my name properly, and they misquote, and things are sloppy. Yeah. Because now, as, as opposed to stuff. not really knowing how to do it yourself, you yeah. just have an army of fucking eighteen year olds to twenty two year olds who are in like low paying or no paying positions yeah. that they put they give the editorial work right, to. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's that's fucking a, that's, disaster. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm telling you, we're circling the drain. There's nothing. No good. doubt. I hate. I really um, the drain hate on this the time on this. I'm living in. on this yeah but it we're, we're, we're circling the drain in this weird sort of um it's a hyper real place yeah. like the 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 the, we're, the the place where all the information runs around that yeah, makes yeah. us crazy that right. we act in relation to right, right. that's all th- that can all be turned off yeah yeah and th- right yeah. And, and you can still go somewhere and sit and live a quiet life if you want but it's a paralyzing fear i don't i i like to think we're circling the drain but i think sometimes it's like hey if i just shut everything fucking off and really did it for like a month, I'd be like, oh, we're not circling the drain. That thing's circling the drain. Yeah. 
But that, you notice, I don't know about you, I can't, you as can't much as I want to turn it off, I can't, I can't even try that, um, which, you know, people suggested to me, the, uh, that app, or the other thing in your computer where it limits your time on the internet, so you have to work. I, you know, I tried that once, I'm like, fuck this, I want to get back and, you know, procrastinate some more. How do I disable this fucking thing? <laughs> oh, God, wait, what it's done, all it's done is it's enabled everyone to uh to sort of you know masturbate literally masturbate for hours and hours one way or the other that's all it's it's facilitated this like mental and actual masturbatory you know freedom that no one ever thought they'd have i can sit and waste my entire day filling my head with bullshit or looking at people fucking any way i want and just fucking burn a day that's right that that's the big leap forward and buy and buy a lot of shit that you don't want which gives me temporary pleasure i'm not like that amazon prime a little no I'll, I'll, and it's a procrastinate. Oh, Aguirre, the wrath of God. Should, is now on Blu-ray. Shit, gotta yeah. get that. You know, so that's what you do as opposed to just masturbate all day. Uh, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. then like, mean, it's it, sort of the same thing. It's like I just bought a thing, and it's yeah. going to come. Like, should I pay the extra yeah. five dollars to have it tomorrow? Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's exactly. It's totally. It. Yeah, it's, and it's shit that you don't mean. Like I'm. Yeah, it was. Like, maybe. Well, look at this. This is kind of cool. These little mini uh, yeah. computer speakers for your laptop. I just throw them in my bag. <laughs> what do I need it for? You don't. Like, like I'm gonna have a fucking concert hall sound yeah. in my hotel room. It's to not going to be that good a sound. To listen. Yeah, yeah, right. it's, it's, it's not like, even going to be that yeah. good. That's a, that's the hope. Yeah, right. It's like these are the new things and you're like right. no, no no it's not it's yeah. just the same but uh okay so let's go through how you got involved with writing so you, you're you're kind of nuts <laughs> and you got you got you wanted to get out of the house you did the insurance sales thing because this book really doesn't it sort of stops at the you know uh, in a way uh you don't cover the career i, I and no it's interesting it was never uh, although i said to myself i'm not going to do it i just never would i didn't want to talk at all about i there's nothing i hate more than talking about the business, business. and i don't even this is the thing you know my family my parents everything it's always like they never know what i'm doing i don't like to talk about it. i don't want to talk did about anyone it. get hurt by your book yeah there was some yeah i yeah there's some problems there's still sort of some but you know something um what, brothers but, yeah yeah and, and also uh, my sister-in-law which i think thinks that that have cooled out uh, that, that was the disney chapter that's a hilarious that. chapter yeah. but that didn't sound like it was good going in no, but my wife, who's great, it was her sister, you know, I... But did you did you let your wife read that Yes, shit? I absolutely did, and I said, she just loved it. She goes, no, you gotta put it in, she'll be fine with it, she has a good sense of humor. And, but <laughs> there were, were some things I said, just mark anything that you think is is uh you know too much that maybe i should chop out you yeah know? and then she you know brought it back to me with all this bleeding red you can't say that you can't say this you know <laughs> so at the end of the i really didn't think i thought oh because my my, yeah. my sister-in-law she's not she you know i, I thought oh, i should be cool about it but then you know something you justify the shit because then i thought I, I i said to Lori, my wife you know i said you know something if anyone did that to me, I would fucking kill them you yeah. know what i mean just as it is i have i have the thinnest skin imaginable so so in that sense, I'm a piece of shit. You know yeah. what I mean? But I had, it's something I had to do. And not only that, it was real. It was true. It says a lot about who I am. And in most of those stories, and not all of them, I think I come off as the biggest asshole. I feel you the same way. You read some reviews as people that don't, you're just like, what a fucking asshole, you know? And the things he says about Disney or the thing he, you know, does this and that. Or well, I, I had the same issue where, but see, the, what, what I realized, and it sounds like you learned a lesson as well, somehow, that you probably wouldn't do it again, is that, you know, it's a weird lesson when you're self-involved mm-hmm. and you're like, this is my life, these are people in my life, I'm the underdog in this, I look like a horrible thing, but you what, you what you forget is that the people you're writing about, especially in this culture, and especially, you know, in the circle of people that you run, they're just as self-centered as you are. So, yeah. so what they're going to do is they're going to see it and they're going to be like, how embarrassing this whole book's about me, basically, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and now like, you know, everyone's going to read this about me. Right. They don't even look at it. It's like three pages, doesn't yeah. matter. 
matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so their whole worldview and perception thinks it's all coming down on. Because most people, I think, um, which is probably more healthy from a mental mental perspective, yeah. that don't go there and think about what's fucked up about them, and certainly they don't talk about them. I think for people like us. You know, and I got to a point, I didn't really talk about, I didn't think of myself, I came to that conclusion sort of as my late teens that, that I am, I'm just crazy. And I thought, you know, something that's just who I am. And it wasn't, you know, I, I, it suddenly, I just realized I'm, I really think I'm, I'm crazy and I am crazy, you know, but I think when you realize that it doesn't necessarily should not give you a license to be an asshole, but if you just, you at least have to point it out. And I am the first to point out everything that's awful about me you're the same way you know what i mean and it takes I, time though and they, you have to hurt people yeah and the thing is if i never saw a psychiatrist for the period that i saw psychiatrists go on antidepressants then you know i did that also largely for my wife and my young daughter like because i really don't want to be but and for me i would say first and foremost for me i could not continue i i described you know when it was that awful moment where i just had all this work on my shoulders and i was panicking but i'd felt like that in different degrees my entire life and i realized to 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 my life lived unmedicated, and I didn't self-medicate because I was, didn't do drugs at all. Was why? Because well, you're how afraid painful. of them. Um, it wasn't. Well, a little bit of like I did not lose. Who knows? Control. If someone had given me a drug that made me feel so wonderful, you know, when I was sixteen or seventeen, or if pot did that for me, which it didn't. Maybe, but it's not my personality. I, you know why? Because I judge others. I'm these fucking dr- people taking drugs. and so, I hated kids so much in school, so anything they were doing and yeah. stuff or my brothers were doing, I did not want to be like that. But I also had a sense of, I felt, always felt that I was teetering on some sort of mental disaster or breakdown anyway. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to start fucking around with drugs and things. There was no concept in my mind that they could help, whether yeah, they were right. recreational drugs or... Of course, back, you know, then they're like, so they're no psychiatrists. And, and also yeah. fun in general was completely alien to you. Yes, that's so, absolutely true. So, I did not have, I did not, I, my, my fun ended, from, if I had any amount of fun was the day that I could no longer, that I was put into pre-K, whatever the fuck it is, yeah. you know, and I was no longer, you know, in the, in the passenger seat in the station wagon with my mother going to the, to the grocery store, which was, that, that yeah. was relaxing. My brothers were in school, it's just me and my mom. And, and Like, for me, like, I, what I've realized is that, like, when people go, like, are you happy? It's like, for me, it's never been about happiness, it's been about relief. Yeah. That, that like, relief and happiness are the same to me in a way. I'm, I'm learning a little more now about, you know, the idea of happiness. But to, to me, it's terrifying. It really it is. Yeah. And th- I'm sure you, I don't know if you have like there's moments of maybe some manic happiness, which dissipates very quickly. Yeah, I get, I get manic. I get mania for like two or three days. Usually yeah, before, that's pretty long before for, I get a cold yeah. or or just it just comes and I'm like, all right, this is that thing that yeah. happens for a few days. But I don't get depressed. I get like sometimes I feel like things are pointless. Yeah, it's it's. Do you feel this? This is what I've recently. I mean, not that recently, but I think I, in trying to pinpoint what it is, when I am at my most happy, it's when I felt I've done good work. I've written something that's this and that. And and if I don't do that, I am fucked up. You know, like the book made me feel good. I had a good sense when I was the of anything I've done. It was the first time I felt that. I had control of it. This was not going to be turned into anything else. I was just writing a book, and it was something that I had to do because yeah. I felt that my writing was not. Um, my name was on shitty movies. That I, I really will say, not my fault. That's the lamest thing a writer can say. So I know people they listen to this. It's the oldest writer thing. Well, you should have read my script. In my case, 
the cabin boys a whole other story. I don't know the strength to get into that right now anyway. But anyway, but maybe it's in, just, in 10 minutes. But it may be. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but then there's other stuff I've done. I've done. And I also realized that the medium of television and film, um, you know, you're you're not gonna uh, in writing this book. Is this the only thing that's gonna be pure that you really are? The, right, because in radio, the tour that you don't. Yeah, yeah. In radio and film, you're basically like you're doing a job. Yeah. You're on a staff. Your 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 work is your own, only to the degree till it goes to the next guy. Yeah. And 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 then they decide whether they're even gonna use it or not, and if they're gonna change it or not. Or and then like the problem with you know the the wonderful union protection, which is good, is like, hey, don't worry about it. It's shit now, but you get the credit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know. Lovely. Um, right. th- no, it, it, no, it, it just doesn't. Um, what do you care? You got the credit. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Right. What do you care? It's like, I know that's everything. I would rather be fucking poor and be able to hold my head up a little bit. <laughs> fucking credit. You have the credit. So you know where, how do you get into the first job as Letterman? Yeah. And how does that happen? Did you go to college? I, uh, I went brief. I went to, uh, you know, I, my grades were so bad coming out of high school. I, there's no, first of all, I, me no, too. I had no intention of going to college. Me either. Because I, school to me was, I mean, it's a lame cliche or comparison, but it really was prison to me without a doubt. It's the closest thing I could compare it to. And when I got out, it was like, I'm not going back to any of those situations. So I worked when I was 16. Well, first I was like, a, I worked for a landscaper, a guy who later got brutally murdered. <laughs> Which is another thing. That's another thing. When you think that everything bad is going to happen and then bad things do happen, it it confirms. I remember you know certain sure. things in my childhood that made me real. When uh, I was young and my dog was killed and hit, it was you know hit by a car and killed. I it, I'm fucked up about that to this day. But it also reinforced my natural biological, you know, mentally way of processing things that bad things are always going to happen. My parents are going to die. I never. Uh, this is the interesting thing. I'm not a hype, not a hype, not a hypochondriac at all. Yeah. I don't have patience for that. I know a little bit. You're, most people are. I, I, my thing is losing people around me that I care about. I look. I hope I live a long time, and I hope I'm healthy. You know, but I. So I don't. It's not like if I went to a doctor and he said, eh, "This is probably nothing." But there's a little lump here. You know, I would instantly be like, "Oh fuck!" You know. Yeah. But I don't think about it. I'm not always like touch myself and feeling. Yeah. For, I don't. If I get, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't have that. I worry about other people. Even death is not something that I obsess over. For Just yourself. the people around, not for myself. Isn't that interesting? I don't have the, yeah, yeah. It, so it, you got a fear of the, people leaving for good. Yeah, it started with my, you know, my my parents, my mother uh, specifically. I thought I always thought growing up every year was this is the year something's going to happen. She's going to die. Is she you alive? Uh, yeah, she is. And uh, um, so I'm very, you know, I'm lucky. She, it, that's a funny thing. It turned out to be uh, whatever. And so, so I wrong. I, yeah, wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yet, some things turned out to be true. The but that's, dog but one see, was a big one, for right? Me. Yeah, but that's sort of like after a certain point, you realize this is this is my belief system. Like you know, this is how my brain works, yeah. and even if it's crazy, it's yeah. how. it's how I comfort myself or it's how I define myself. Even if the panic about other people, that's somehow the repetition of that pattern, you know, keeps you in a place. Even if it's not a good place, it's something that's familiar to you. Yeah. So like, you know, there's obviously ways to maybe get out of that place or, 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 or sort of uh, make it less menacing. But, but it, it, it's, it's the way like I'm learning that these negative patterns mm-hmm. are really what we call home. It's it's what we it's it's what we've done. Yeah, uh, it's what we come from. Right. So you just repeat them and to change them. Like I just learned yesterday, someone talked to me about neural pathways. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, but but it's work. You can't. I don't think they're they're. You can help. I think uh, the uh, when I was seeing a psychiatrist and antidepressants maybe 
have helped maybe 13%. I'll take that. But you, you know, can, maybe but a little bit. But, but you've decided you but can live with it, obviously. I, I think I can live with it. And I think um, I am, I've realized that, you know, I think you are what you are. You can't, you can change a little bit. Everyone can change a little bit, but I can't, um, you know, whatever. Here's what I believe. Your, you know. Here's what I believe. And it's like, it's, it's a little bit uh, 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 kind of sappy. I think what you can change is, and, and it usually will happen anyways with age as you get humbled and your pride diminishes, Yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. is that you know you can open your heart more and become a, a, a more a giving person even in the context of all your problems. I, I agree with that, absolutely. And, yeah, and that's and that, a pretty it, tremendous change. Yeah, that is, that is it, absolutely. Yep, and it's... Um, I imagine f- when you had a kid, you were like, whoa... No, not re- not at. F- Here's the thing: is it did become that? <laughs> it became that. I had well, I mentioned it in the book. You know, uh, the pregnancy worried me because I did not want a boy because of my brother, the brother experience. I don't like boys in general. Yeah. I'm telling you, the first day of kindergarten, yeah, it was, and I always love women. Yeah. I always felt I had also, by the way. Early sexual, strong heterosexual feel. I don't know if you had that. I remember sure. being very young. Like oh, yeah. I remember my brother, my girls. brother having Playboys and stuff, not knowing oh, what yeah. sex is, not knowing anything, but seeing, you know, and being like, but, oh. but, and, but, but in general, though, I always thought that girls and women are kinder. They're less nuts. They're just, uh, not, which is, now, of course, we know that's not a blanket thing, but I found the better. So right away at kindergarten, that when I walked in and, and saw also, these, all the men in your life were crazy. Yes, yes. And, and mean, abusive. Fucking volatile people. But I don't know about you. I didn't have this this thing where like like when I saw the kids in in school when I first got there, the little other little kids and the the boys, just them all with their fucking trucks and their toy guns and their GI yeah. Joes. I n- never liked that no, kind I of didn't stuff. Either. You know? and the girls were sweeter. They yeah. were nice. So I I associate women uh, with safety and intelligence and and um something that's more just. They're just emotionally smarter. I know it's a blanket thing, and there's plenty of and whack, also when, whack jobs out right. there. You're both sexes, but but still, I just I, I, and when, I have a and thing when you're a guy guys. that doesn't like that. See, what I gravitated towards was older, like, and we grew up roughly in the same time. But you had brothers, so it was all in the house: the records, the hair, the cigarettes, pot. Yeah. But I didn't have that, so because I didn't like trucks and stuff, I immediately gravitated towards like the pictures of the hippies, and you know, like like that to me was like great. Like I yeah. didn't like trucks, but I right. wanted to grow my hair out. Oh, yeah, I did that because my brother drew that. that was, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that would that absolutely no. That was cool to me. That 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 stuff. And yeah. I, although I also liked really, like I said, from a young age, really like this, you know, nineteen twenties music. You someone know, get well. That someone I, put that in you somehow. Yeah, I I know. I, I don't like. I think, and I described in the book. It's true. There's something that matched it. It was comforting when they would show these old cartoons from the thirties on yeah. TV. That that the background music was mm-hmm. something that really worked for me. And then. You start hearing that kind of, and then it took me, you know, many years to, I would hear that again and say, oh, that's that kind of sound of the music I like. And then in my teens, uh, I started to get very, uh, you know, learning a lot about, about it. About 78th and yeah. So how do you get this fucking job? You don't oh, finish the job. college. So, so, so yeah, uh, I had no interest in, that's, I just want to say like growing up, I had no, I had no aspirations to do anything. I just mm. assumed I'd sell insurance, but I did start to, I was, I was smart in the sense of like, I really liked movies, like a lot of old movies on television. And then by, you know, the early eighties, really influenced by all those great movies from the seventies. And that's when the first buzz of people started talking about going to film school. Yeah. And I had to get out of Harrisburg at that point. Mm-hmm. So 
But in order to go to, to NYU, I had to go to Harrisburg Area Community College in two years to get my grades up because I could not even get into a shithole. Like I did the same thing. I, mean, I you know, fucked off in high yeah, school. And my, yeah. my senior year, I panicked because yeah. I wanted to leave. And I, got, I applied myself and got like, you know, A minus average. Yeah, like, yeah. And, that's, that's, that's how I was at community college. I was, yeah. There, there suddenly I was a we smarty know. because I, was, I, have, I applied myself and I had a goal. Right. You know, Get I give out. a fuck about, you know, yeah. I never once thought at any point in school up to and including my senior year about going to college or being anything. Yeah. Never even, a, all I was just like, how do I get out I of want the to house? Be an artist. How do I fucking survive? See, that's great. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. See, that's um, of some kind. I just had, there was no one in Harrisburg that would even make that thing seem, you just never heard about anyone like right. And I'm a person, another one of my big problems is uh, I perceive everything to be impossible so yeah. what's the what's the point of even trying right how would that, i'll come out every different way that that couldn't happen yeah well i get well yeah impossible so you, that's it we'd be living in caves if i was like the head cave yeah, man of course but, that, but that's know. the anxiety thing it's, yeah. it's sort of like but then you got to go to the place and then what you got to hire people yeah and then you get yeah, uh, yeah right yeah <laughs> It's just like, yeah, it never happened. Yeah, it's never happened. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, that's the difference yeah, yeah. between someone like us yeah. and like Judd Apatow. Yeah, exactly. No, right. Yeah, someone like that who you know knew early what he wanted to do was focused on that and all can that maintain kind of stuff. the businesses. Yeah, yeah, like how does he even go out? I mean, I yeah. see him doing comedy again, and 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 I'm like, you know, don't. You, what about the empire? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. How do, don't you have a family? Yeah. You know, like, it's yeah, like yeah. how do you? What happens is they trust people, they deliberate power, they outsource jobs, and they you know they're respected yeah. as a boss. They hold the leadership thing. It's interesting. Even if I was capable of achieving <laughs> something like that, I would not. The big part of me just could not handle. It could not push for that. I wouldn't want to be that out there and that part of every. I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm. I'm. I wouldn't be comfortable. I don't want to be part of a scene. That's the thing, and that's why I never the and or part of the which I know is interesting because comedians, you stand up. Yeah. That's a really big thing. But, never, but we're all the same. All yeah, comedians yeah. are like you and me. A I don't lot wanna, of them. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I have a few. Yeah, I guess. That, I, no, and it's the great I'm thing sure about the are, comedians but, is like it's like there's a shorthand to it, and it's good to be around brilliant, funny people. It make you feel better. Well, that's what made when I finally moved to New York and started, and then. Uh, so you got out of community so college. Yeah, yeah. So I go, I go to film school in New York, and right away that that sucks. And I'm already thinking. My only goal at that point is how do I stay in the city? Because New York City fit me like a glove. It was the first. That was actually the first time I was truly happy. Yeah. Because you know why? You can get lost. You can be alone. You can eat by yourself. Right. You know. And so. Anyway, some I I didn't even know what an internship was. Some kid was telling me he got an internship at a, for a producer reading scripts. And I was already worried, like, what am I going to do when I graduate? Like, I'm I'm not going to be able to afford to stay here. My yeah. family can't afford to keep. What you know, this is all. I'm, am I going to go back to Harrisburg? And, yeah. and so that made me think when he said, I, I was like, oh, an internship. I never heard that word before, mm -hmm. which I had not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so what I was interested, in, I was never a, like this comedy geek. It, uh, I liked smart comedy. I knew it when it like SCTV or this and that, and I liked that kind of stuff. But it wasn't any particular obsession with mine. I liked you know. Yeah, a, a lot of old movies and stuff and stuff like that. So uh, I was more into Scorsese than yeah, anything. Yeah, sure. And um, but what I was really into at that time was this Le the Letterman show, which had been on for about two years, and I was oh, obsessed first, with that show. First couple of years were ins insanely great. But I was more obsessed with Dave. Yeah, Dave was. I could just tell that this guy was one of the. It was the first guy that I think this is. I think he. We think sort of alike the way he like, not not necessarily comedian. He's a brilliant comedian and everything. Right. I mean, the way he's looking at things and his hatred for bullshit and phoniness and the way people aren't. He was the first guy to really, you know, sort of shit on 
and, show business and, and, and celebrities. And he was show. like, when, those first couple of years, I mean, he pushed it. He pushed it. And yeah. that was, and that really, you know, struck a chord with me in a way that, you know, Woody Allen, a little bit, I saw, oh, I, wow, it's interesting. I recognize some of that neurosis. But like, he was, you know, again, the the hypochondria and all right, that, right. that kind of Jewy Had no of, real that, that, that was not that. And then Albert Brooks, I thought, now that, uh, that's yeah. even closer. That's like something that, that's more because Albert Brooks, <laughs> some of that, but without the, um, or, no, he did it without the Jewish thing, right. like Woody Allen did. So right. I was like, but Letterman, that was something that was like, oh my God. And so I was, you know, I just thought this guy is the great. So I, I so, so now I know about these things called internships. I went back to my dorm room. I cold called the Letterman show and said, do you have any of these uh, things called internships? <laughs> and they said, uh, you know, actually we have a, uh, we just lost our writer's intern. If do you, can, can you come up and just, you know, meet someone for an interview? And I was like, yeah. I went straight up there. I met Steve O'Donnell. Great yeah. is a great guy. He's there and forever. There, yeah, just such a yeah. He he was the he's the mind. I, I mean, not the, I mean during when the show was really up and running at its greatest. Um, he as the head writer is so responsible for the great. You know, like yeah. there a lot of people. Obviously, Merrill created yeah. everything, but Steve, unbelievable. So Steve liked me, and then he said we'll come back, and I met some to meet, have a couple other meetings, and then I got it, and I said to myself, Did at you that meet time, Dave? Um, no, I didn't meet Dave. That's a funny story. I didn't meet Dave till probably about uh, a few weeks into my internship, maybe even less. And then it was a very small office. You always saw Dave. You yeah. know, it wasn't like, and it was a, you know, wasn't that he wasn't the CBS Dave. It was right. Still, but he was still the show. Was you know he was. Like, I know that Rolling studio Stone and stuff. The, on NBC. Six, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I get as soon as I got that internship was the first time I ever had a goal for anything, and I said I knew that that place was right for me. I knew I could write for that. I knew the sensibility. But I knew, you know, it wasn't going to be easy. But I said to myself, I'll, I don't care if it takes 10 fucking years because I have no other way to enjoy my life or to do something that I think I could do and make a living at. This is it. And I was said to myself, you're, you know, I want to be a writer here. And I was very – I just say I was good in, in uh, sort of like Steve – as the writer's assistant, I was really helpful. Steve liked me. Chris Elliott took me under his wing as well. Those guys really encouraged me, told me, you know, you should – at that time, like, like Chris became a writer and maybe one or two other people, they were submitting jokes to Dave's assistant. He wouldn't use them, but he was – back then, he would look at them. Mm-hmm. And I started – so on Chris's advice, I started giving like five jokes a day to uh, Dave's assistant. And then, you know, I don't know when it was, maybe a couple months later – uh, was, I, I can that she said, "Hey, do you got a minute for Dave Adam?" <laughs> I'm opening up viewer mail. I edited the viewer mail, you <laughs> right, know, right. Seven. and uh, I couldn't believe that. I went in and he's like, hey, you know, you know, and he, and he has my they're in blue paper. You're right. supposed to that blue sheet. Like, Here's your, you know, I like these jokes. I, you know, it's really good. You're just keep doing it, keep doing it. <laughs> and I walked out of there, and it was like, I, seriously, that the greatest, <laughs> that the, the single greatest feeling I ever had in my life. And I knew at that point. Yeah, and I kept writing them, and he, for some reason, really took a shine to my jokes, which were not, like, topical. They were weird stuff, and they didn't really get laughs, but it was more like, um, I think it was very much Pennsylvania, so Indiana, Midwestern right. type of uh, sure. kind of thing. And he liked that kind of weird stuff, so he always got a kick out of the jokes. The audience never did, and uh, eventually uh, I, I was hired, and, and so that was, and that was, if had I not made that, this is why we know that, you know, luck place so much you know when people ask you like how do you do it it's like there's no real first of all you have to be able whatever you're going to do whether it's stand up an actor yeah. the thing it starts with is you either have it or you don't you mm-hmm. know what i mean you got to be able to do it and then it's just about luck because you just may never have that conversion that intersection that i was like if i had made that call 
A the week next later. day, yeah, the next day, they pray that it would have been filled. I think about it all the time. It's not, you know, it, it's not like I that you. Oh, you would have ended up doing something. No, because I wouldn't have pursued it. I'm not. That was the one time I had the eye of the tiger when I made that call and when I worked my ass off of that show as an intern, you know, and and later like it was a writer's. So research, what what you know? was the first meeting with Dave before the uh, the he liked your jokes? Oh, oh, that was. Uh, where I was opening, I was in this. It was in the the conference room, a little conference room. Then this is before they expanded the offices, and uh, so I was at this sort of table, and I would add my little uh, my letter opener and just slicing open these, ma- you know, all the viewer mail. I had a box of mail and, and making a pile that I copy for the writers, and from those they would they would you know just they would write things for the viewer mail segment. And uh, did you decide what was good or bad, or you just opened them? No, I I, did, I added them, and that was also too. Steve O'Donnell was like, I remember the first time he looked at my folder of the ones. He goes, "This is you know one of the best batch we've had in a long time." Because you have to, you know, you have to sort of figure out, oh, this is a good, this yeah, one is good, something's good, yeah. yeah. But there's some that you know you can, yeah. you don't want to overwhelm them with too much. You just and so I, I, I was, I got the show. I mean, I knew the show before <laughs> right, I even got there. Yeah. And um, but anyway, so I'm sort of catty corner from Dave's office. There was his uh, assistants office and then there was another door that led into Dave's office but every time Dave came out into the hallway he sort of he had to make eye contact with me if I looked up and so he did that a few times and then uh, I was always thinking what's it going to be like the first time I meet Dave just don't make an asshole out of yourself and he came in finally and goes I don't think we've met I'm Dave and, you know, he me, and I said I'm Adam and then I said it <laughs> for no five six so I said I'm Adam a promising young intern <laughs> And he said, and after I said, I was like, what the fuck? Why don't you just shut the fuck? And, and he, so I said, yeah, hi, I'm Adam. I'm a promising young intern. And he said, yeah, I'm sure you are. And then he turned <laughs> off. But he was, uh, but but he was, I got to say, very quickly, this is, it was a very, it was like a small staff. It was like a family. And, um, you know, he got to know me and he liked, I think, I know he kind of liked my sense of humor, just the way I talked. I was never, ever trying to be a funny guy, you know, and I wasn't a joke yet. I think he saw... I think he saw me for who I was. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think that this is sort of cynical, beaten down, but, you know, that's yeah. what I was. And uh, he has some of that. And I, there's a lot to Dave. I, uh, I really, I think we're similar in certain ways, not in the part where I have this amazing genius talent that I become, <laughs> a, but, but we have a similar sense of humor, a similar way of looking at things. And I, I think there was a little bit of a, a slight bonding over that. Like and you were, you were there him. for like, you know, what? Seven years, eight years, five, six years. Yeah. And <clears throat> did the relationship grow at all? Or it did. Was... It did actually. It was, and to this day, he's, um, and Chris Elliott will tell you the same thing. I think you know some other people, but for me, Dave is, uh, I got to say, the most probably the most important person, you know, people in my life. He's just like he's like my older brother or father kind of thing. I, you know, when I wrote the book, when I write anything, like when I wrote the book, everything I wrote was thinking. You know, I, this has got to be. It pushed me. At Dave, if Dave doesn't like this, I'm fucked. I wrote it for Davis. I, I mean, I wrote. He was the, the. If everyone hated it except for Dave, I would have been okay with that. And when I heard that he and he told me too, he called me and he loved the book. That was this book. It's interesting. Did take a certain amount of weight off my shoulders that I think will stay off. Mm-hmm. Not completely, you know, because you know you get finally you get used to it. You're but it's like. I, I think I did something that I I feel good about. I don't say it's perfect, you know. I think I'll do better even, the, you know, the next time. But, I, I, you know, I feel good about the book. The fact that Dave was so nice about it, had me on the show, um, that was that was a, a, a great, a big thing for me. Because before that, 
I had because of this, you know, the way the business is. I just felt like, you know, if anyone just saw, well, what did this guy do? I didn't feel there was anything I could really be proud of. And a lot of, and, and some things that I was very embarrassed about. And I was also upset about the whole thing about things I, you know, money jobs you got to do for money and, uh, and, and, you know, and not for me to be rich, but just to live a middle-class life in New York city, which takes a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter's in, in private school, so it's still, you know, so, um, but it's so you know I was full of shame for so many years since Cabin Boy. Then I had well, what happened? So supernatural like, so you, bad you, you, luck you, with a couple of other movies. You, you, you know? left Dave to to work with Chris. Yeah, on Get a Life. Yeah, and that and people love that show. Yeah, no, I'm happy about that. And that then doesn't... you did a lot of episodes. I mean, you had what three seasons? No, a uh, season and a half. Really? Yeah. Okay, so it didn't take, but you were proud of that. Yes and no. I, Chris and I did not have a have a good experience working on that show it was together like, or above you. I mean, we but, were we, Chris and I were like together. We were in the in, right. the, in the foxhole so, together, right. but it was yeah. There was some. Uh, it was it was an awful experience. And, and also then, coming from Dave, which was such a great experience, you know. And you left to pursue this. You know, um, you thought it was time. Here's what happened. This is where everyone's life is different, and no one. No one, what happened to me, I don't know if anyone has things like that. Of course, people do things that turn out badly. Right. No. So Chris said to me, there's a, you know, Fox wants to do a show with me. Do you want to, do you want to write it with me? And I said, uh, you know, I'm, you know, at Letterman, I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't think anything would happen. I never was thinking I wanted to do sitcoms. This is a time when a lot of writers were leaving to go to Fox and do, I, I had no interest in that. So, you know, I, Chris and I said, so we wrote this show. And then uh, I didn't think anything would happen. Then suddenly they want to make the pilot. Now I'm getting a little nervous because like I don't know what I want to do. I like it. I love working with Chris. The pilot was a total sort of it was a bait and switch a bit for the day. It was it was nothing that I think Chris and I were very proud of, mm-hmm. you know, because it was very we had to we wanted, you know, to get picked up. Chris wanted it to get picked up. Obviously, clearly it was a big thing for him. And so it was a little compromised. The pilot it gives me douche chills. The pilot. I can't look at that. But it's so so. uh um, so I, so in a way, so here's the thing is, so just unnatural. I don't know how long I would have stayed at Dave. Not my whole, I mean, I definitely wanted to do other things. I wanted to write. I think I was really wanted to write features, mm-hmm. but, um, but so I was sort of fell into that, which is what it was. And then when we're at get a life, then suddenly Chris gets a call from Tim Burton. And then that turns into us doing uh cabin boy. So all these things just sort of happened to me there were nothing that i planned for was trying to were, were trying to do and they both and cabin boy destroyed my life and destroyed my mind made me even a more weaker worried human how being. why what happened the just the fallout the embarrassment and that i was oh, how's tim so tim burton you guys had the script whose script was it Tim wanted to do like a Pee Wee's Big Adventure thing again because okay. he was doing the big movies. And so he thought he wanted a, one with Chris. Chris you know? yeah. So we was, you know, Chris and for Chris's stuff, he's the only guy I ever wrote with. And it was always just for Chris material. Right. I never had another, I never had a writing partner for my own stuff. But so, um, you know, we uh, Chris had this idea to maybe do a version of Captain's Courageous with Chris playing like the Freddie Bartholomew character, this, this this like snobby rich kid that ends up on a fishing boat, you know, yeah. and uh, with these you know hard nosed seamen. <laughs> so uh, it seemed like a natural. Yeah. And uh, and then Tim was going to direct it, and I thought, well, you know, this will be good for me. I have my name on a script that that Tim Burton's going to direct, and you know, he directs stuff that this will make it easier for me, even though I don't want to do. Uh, necessarily big Hollywood yeah. I want to do cool movies yeah. that was my thing you know yeah and uh, you know whether I could pull it off or not I don't know but but uh 
So, and then he said, when, when Tim dropped out, they said, Adam, you should direct it. And I was like, well, I don't really, I've never really, you know, I directed and did things on letter, little, little segments, segments and shit, you know, <clears throat> but yeah. they all convince you and you're aging. No, no, you'll have help with that. But the main thing, is, this is the big lesson. One, never do anything just for the opportunity. The reason I eventually gave in because like the agent said, you know, if you do this, do you know how easy it's going to be for you? And I was like, well, I wanted to do movies. But yeah, you'll be in the guild. But this is right. Yeah, right. And, but this is something if, if. I was going to write a movie by myself, or if I was going to write one with Chris, for Chris, Chris and I in a million years would never have fucking come up with Cabin Boy. Right. This was something that was designed for Tim, that Tim helped, you know, he shepherded it, he loved the idea, it was like Captain's Courageous meets Ray Harryhausen, yeah. we told him, it was meant for his sensibility. So then, when I was finally convinced to direct it, you know, I hated, right off the bat, I hated the, the experience of directing, at least that. I, I didn't like and it was not something that I would have done on my own I felt felt very odd it must have been so, insane on the set with you trying to it was I mean it just wasn't it wasn't fun and also it's not my personality to be actually in a collaborative situation I don't like being around a lot of people I don't want to have meetings yeah. I don't want these things well how, what should the scale of the ice monster be I didn't and plus I had no <laughs> here's the big thing no passion for that project i just wanted to get through it and i assumed it'll probably do okay you yeah. know I, I, you know i'm a little concerned that it wasn't him but the fallout which i don't know if you remember was so he, this is the worst thing i'm a snob as i'm sure you're about anything about movies literature i try to be uh, a little you know, I, I try to be a little broader lately a little more i diplomatic. do but i like what i like sure, and sure. My, it doesn't mean that you know i can't like something silly but uh, right, whatever right but it was, okay so to be this movie when it came out, Cabin Boy, which yeah. was not, you know, did was not good. I look at it now and go, you know, it's kind of this odd little thing. It doesn't bother me. But at the time, uh, it was seen as like beneath Polly Shore movie. So and I didn't even know what it was. I had no opinion about yeah. it at that point. All I know is that it tested off. You know, it was awful. So I now not only was I worried about money because I no one partially was. Yeah, it was going to be hard to get. So any it was kind a job. joke. It was, it, was like, a, it was a joke, and I was now, I felt, and for a number of years, too, that I was perceived as a hack. And I'm thinking, you know something? It's not like I have a big ego, but I'm not a fucking hack. I'm a snob, and I'm, I'm actually a pretty good writer yeah. who now cannot get a job because of that. And it's seen, and I am seen as someone that wrote the hackiest, shittiest, worst of Polly Shore. It might as well be an Orson Welles movie compared to Cabin Boy. <laughs> a Cabin Boy for a while was like the but the word for a shitty movie would be compared to I would see it in articles. I remember there was some article. You could not escape. That's the thing that people don't remember. Now Chris and I, we go, there'll be screenings, you know, and we'll do Q&A sometimes. And there's, uh, there's a small, up a there's following? a yeah, following. Not, a, not gigantic, but enough that there's people that, that really like right. it. Okay. And they don't like it because I've asked them in these things. I said, do you guys like it? Because it's one of those, it's so bad, it's good thing. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people that like it for that reason. <laughs> there's people that do see it as something that they yeah. they just kind of like as this weird comedy. But um, So it was the brunt of all jokes. It was the brunt, it was yeah, like, so it was yeah. the brunt of all jokes. I was uh, literally... For a while, like it embarrassed me to walk out of my in my ha- to walk out of the house. This is in the immediate a- aftermath. It got a lot of press. This was before the internet days. Hard, real press of people. It had, and I to this day, and I'll go to my grave, and so will Chris. I don't know where. It's not that they people didn't like the movie, critics and thing. It pissed them off, and there was anger, and it was on every uh, cabin boy. You could not es- escape some mention of Cabin Boy. I remember there was an article, and I think it was the L.A. Times, the New York Times, about the Laserdisc craze. And the, the article was about eh, all these directors. And I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, oh, there's an article about 
laser discs. <laughs> They're talking about all oh, these director cuts. You know, now Aliens Two. James Cameron is adding extra footage. Is is this really? Do we what the idea of a director's cut? It was questioning whether yeah. that's a good idea. The movie right. should be the movie. I'm reading it, enjoying it, minding my own business. The last line is, "Yep." So what's in store for us in the future? A director's cut of Cabin Boy? Question mark. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, Jesus, I can't, everywhere I turned, there was shit like that. You could not escape it. They would not give me a break or Chris. And so I was, it was the most uh, creative paralysis and depression that I had had. By the way, this is still pre-psychiatrist, pre-antidepressants for me. So just raw. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't even take. And the world is crushing you. The world you, is you crushing walk out me. with. You, you're wearing glasses to protect yourself from this thing that you it probably isn't. It was bad, but I'm not. I'm sure there weren't people out Mark, in front of your house. This is how crazy I was. I literally used to think as I at first I was embarrassed just to get from my apartment down to the lobby. I have I can sort of remember I thought like maybe a woman starting to come out of the door, a uh, neighbor and see me and quickly stepping back in and shut the door. I would you're I was like, one wide walked on Columbus like Avenue. Peter Laurie what right in that movie yeah, M. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, that's right. That was me. I might as well have done something like you know like that. But he's uh, and and when I was walking down Columbus I would actually think sometimes that and I'm not crazy this way. This is the death of my crazy. I'm not this kind of crazy I'd actually think that, you know, I think people might advert their glance, you know, if they would look at me thinking, oh, that's the guy that did that, that <laughs> fucking cabin boy. Like, um, and like, if you just looked at the numbers of people that actually saw the movie, the yeah. the, the ratio would not ever add yeah, up. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. And so, so right, no, it, no, uh, but no, but it was written about No, I get lot. it, I get it. It was for what a was period of time, instead of saying Heaven's, Heaven's Gate, they would say Cabin Boy, which made no sense because this is a cheap little movie. It was when Disney was cranking out a shitty live action movies like, uh, you know, Hocus Pocus or the air up there or Captain Ron. No offense to those movies. I haven't seen any of them. But Captain Boy is just another but, shitty live action but that I, Touchstone was I, doing I think the, the real horrible sort of... Uh, uh, the worst part about it is that in your mind... This was like a sentence worse than death. Something outside of your control yeah. had 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 realized your greatest fears. So what You're is so smart? That's right. And 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 what was happening is you know, whether the people outside of the world were doing whatever they were doing, the audience in your head that was judging you, the the room full of little yous was like, oh, now you've done it. No, it's, it's fucking over. It's over. And also, it's and sometimes I'm with with the the brother or two that I may be talking at a time. I remember, you know coming up with this phrase of which then they will occasionally refer to it. I'll say, the Resnick Curse. I've always thought about a Resnick Curse. This is when I saw that Coen Brothers movie that starts a serious man and it starts oh, out so like at a shuttle or whatever and there's that uh, that Dybbuk or whatever at the yeah, beginning yeah, that yeah, think yeah, that yeah. I the guess implied that it, yeah, whatever, that, you know, sort of maybe cursed the generation of yeah. that family. Even I would, this, the, before I had any sense of, the, you know, of that, <laughs> thinking of it that way, I just thought there was some kind of a, and, and so the Resnick Curse had had finally, you know, the the, the chickens Manifest come home itself. to roost. Yeah. yeah, and and it was, and here's where the fucked up thing was so unlike my <laughs> centuries I can, old. I can imagine so many bad things that are not reality. My wife, if she said, has said one thing to me, one phrase the most over all the years we've been together, it's this: Why would you think like that? Oh, yeah. You know, like it's always that. And but the thing is, here's where that. And sometimes I can think, you know, maybe it is my brain that's thinking, I'm out of the business. I'm this or that. But what happens when, in the case of Cap'n Boy, it was really... This is not my imagination. I No one did want to hear from me for a while. I remember, and I just... This comes back to you asked me when yeah. my child was born. My daughter, and I didn't want a boy, I was so happy it was a girl, was born about a month before Cabin Boy came out, and yeah. I already knew what was going to happen. I didn't actually know it would be as bad as it was, but I knew that the movie was a bomb, and I knew from the testing, and I knew that I would not get work 
again easily. And But now I had a daughter to support. So when my daughter was born, I remember being in there. My first reaction to seeing her was just utter fear because I realized I have this new responsibility that I've never, you know, and, and I don't know what. Now, it's interesting. You fantasize and you think, well, so what's the worst going to happen? You're never going to be homeless. You'll move to Harrisburg or a town like Harrisburg and you'll rent a little apartment and that's at least horrifying. you won't be at least you won't well, be homeless and well, that's, that's, what I, that's what i and that was my that's what my safety net was you know what i mean but it, but, but, it, but in your mind business, i'll be miserable in, you know right in your mind though that safety net and i, and I did that too when when the, everything went off the skids for me is that that plan b or that safety net it's vague and it's you know at its root horrendous Yes, yes, it is horrendous. Yes, and you're th- and it doesn't and you, actually doesn't give you much comfort. No, it only makes you realize that I, the, your worst thing is like I have to live in a homeless shelter with my family. But I think okay, well at least I know th- I can take that off the table. But you know that makes you feel good for about a second. Then you realize, but yeah, so, but, what, but, right? but, but, but what's the what's the job? <laughs> right, what's the right, right? You know, like it's like okay, I come from a certain like I've done enough things. Early, but what do you? What, but my problem was is like. At 45, 50, like, I'll just stop and, like, and I'll get a job doing what? Right. No, that's the thing is, that's what I'm also, I'm, feel, that's, you know, occasionally you do feel lucky. And I realize I make Ugh. a living doing literally the only thing I can do. That's all I can do. Well, then, what, but, but then what happened? You you did SNL for a while? No, that was one. This is in the, the dark years after Cabin Boy. Chris went to SNL for probably what must have been one of the worst seasons ever. Yeah. And it was, uh. I didn't want to work there. I, I, you know, I was still embarrassed about Cabin Boy. I didn't even want to be seen. This is, I think, about a year after. But Chris, somehow, I went up and met uh, your buddy, Lorne, mm. and uh, I needed to make a little money, but I knew I did not want to work there. And I'm thinking the whole thing about, oh, they write overnight? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not going to fucking, you know. And I know yeah. that the show was not good that season. The, the, the cast was really big. The guys like Farley and Sandler were on the way out the door. They were on weekends going to shoot movies and then coming back. And it was a very depressing vibe up Yeah, there. he was trying to put together the following season is when I auditioned, I think. Yeah, and he was, you know, Lorne, to his credit, I mean, they those like Don Olmeyer and Littlefield, they had him out the door. I mean, they were, and, and it was... Uh, you never would have thought at that time that Lauren would survive, and it's amazing. He did not only he survived. Look where he is now. That's it. I never. Uh, it, it was not in me to. I never, like I said, I never wanted to be in the business anyway. So I never chased anything for big money. I've always been. I to me, it was always about the work. You know, although sometimes. You have to. I mean, especially this post cabin boy years, I was taking money jobs because I had to do it. I don't and think there's any shame in that. I've there, done you, that. You got I mean, it. it happens, and you just and you, you just and hope it doesn't work out in it, a way. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. Especially <laughs> back then. I mean, the first job I got, by the way, was uh, was writing a script. A guy about a guy that uh, turns into a dog, and he said, "Yeah." And there's scenes where he's drinking out of the toilet. That's the type of job I had. What to was take. that? It was. Um, I forget the name of it. And by the way, the guy who gave me the job, I'm the the producer. God bless him because you know it was. In uh, that year after Cabin Boy, we're like nothing. Didn't you write no one Death wanted to, to talk to me? Yeah, that was that's one of the again the scripts that you know um, that and there's one I did called Numbers that Nora Ephron they ended up directing. I mean, directing those movies did not come out the way that I pictured it. That you, the writer is not is king in television, but unless you're a writer director. You have to expect this. And when I sold those scripts, they were good sales. You know what I mean? Yeah. You give it. You got to know. You're losing control. Even but you're, though, but you, you're okay with that now, in a way. The, that you movie? can handle it. No, but doing that, it that way, knowing that this is that. that no, I, can... I don't think I'll do it that way. I look. Here's all I want. I want to make a comfortable living. To and the thing is, I'm living in New York City though, so that's not like you know you got yeah. to bring in some money. A comfortable living, doing what I want with some little 
sidesteps into some money jobs or things like that that you know might be enjoyable to work on or something but 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 mostly it all comes back to subsidizing myself to if I'm going to write another book or if maybe I'm going to write a screenplay a small movie and I you know uh, I'm talking to a producer that I like that there might be a shot there I I might give that one more chance the the movie thing because I love movies but it's harder than ever now when you think about yeah. getting something really cool it's got to be a small movie you but know? you're okay in what say I'm great I don't know I'm great no Mark I'm I'm like uh, I'm a million dollars I just uh, everything's perfect now you mean okay what uh, I mean but you're, you're making a living oh yeah no 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 I'm fine I'm that way but not no but it's always a um, uh uh, you're it's it, it's I'm I don't need a lot never did but then there's other things you think oh wow wouldn't it be nice to have a house at the beach that's another thing I love but part of me is like you know I how many other people own more than one fucking house I have a really no, but, good but see you but know, like, I, I think that too and it's a fantasy I have but it's like who's gonna who's gonna take care of it when I'm not there and like what what where is there gonna be like is there gonna be problems with the house and, and that's like, what happened what if, to me what, I what if country, I don't yeah. go there I had a much? country house that like sort of imploded they tell you like you know you realize you have the money for the house and everything what they what they don't tell you and you know I remember checking out so I'm gonna get this country house my accountant yeah no you can do it that's fine sure but then you don't. It's about upkeep. You can't walk away from that. Pay the some people just don't give a shit. Like you know, like you know, you just look. Joint. People like us are just designed to yeah. to self generate and manage what we can manage. And and because then if you hire people, then you're like, who's that guy? How's he gonna fuck yeah. me? I don't know, man. Well, I also like. I mean, you're probably the same way. I mean, I turned down. The money and jobs that I've turned down over the years far exceeds. You know, like I. I there's so many ways I could have made money. There's so right. many ways that things that I just couldn't do. In fact, when I when get a life, I hated living out here because I, you know, after being at Letterman, after Get a Life was over, I was yeah. like, that's it for me in L.A. Even though later I did like a stint at Larry Sanders, and I, there were some other jobs I lived. In How here. was that? Never thought of. Well, I'll tell you that in a second. But anyway, but it was, <laughs> it was. Uh, but I never, you know, when I moved back to New York, I knew that was a choice. My agent said, you know, you're going to cut your options down. I said, and it was like, well, that's the trade off because I have to live in New York, and so. Um, it's about you know like so I still turn down shit and and uh, it's it's whatever it's yeah. about yeah it's about the work it's always been but I don't want to be poor and if anyone wants to give me a shitload of money for something that I I'm, I'll be happy to take it. Larry Sanders is a very well respected show that right. must have made up a little bit for Cabin Boy. Well, that was a, here's I that like everyone else I love that show that's one yeah. of the greatest shows ever. So uh, you came in after it was rolling. It was rolling. It was actually it was the final season and um. It was, uh, and I was happy to do. It. I, do you let's love put it Gary? As, I would have preferred to stay a fan of the show rather than work. Uh, you know, I didn't never. You know, I actually I think Gary and I are so. Uh, you know, Dave to me is the guy that I. It was so. Yeah, it's so clicked. Right. You know, our relationship. Right, right, Gary's right. a completely different sort of guy. Right. So there was not that. I did not have a similar feeling. He's a very different guy than Dave is. Right. And it's his show. And he has a way of running it, and yeah. it was not, um, you know, I had some fun there, but for the most part, it was the right, you know, the fact that it was just whatever, we did 10 or 11 episodes, that was, I, I, that felt right to me. I had my fill. It was the end of the season, but it was, um, um, yeah, whatever. What can I tell you? I've had, I've had better times other places, but it was, in, in retrospect, I guess it wasn't so bad. You can't, you know, you can't. If you're not, if you feel like you can't really contribute at the level that you think you're capable of, it's not fun. And if some, if a place makes it a little difficult to do that, and you know, Gary is the, uh, you know, he's the guy. It's his show. He's been doing it, and so, uh, um, 
it was uh, I, I'd heard this. I knew I had other friends who had worked there over the years, you know, so I sort of knew what I was getting into. But I'd met Gary a couple times. I thought, eh, I know what Gary is. He's another guy. I'd say, I mean, he's not like me, but there's yeah. some, some, you know, yeah, some fucked up things about both of us that I'm sure I could. And I felt like it for a while, like, you know, there was a point that, uh, you know, I was getting along with him pretty good. And it was uh, but then they got once we got into the thick of things, then everything changed. And it felt like, you know, it was uh you know, we were in battle and the and the battle was going very badly. You know? Oh, yeah. And it was, and I think it was, uh, I don't know, maybe that's Gary's process. I think he, you know, maybe things have to be made to be a little harder than they, they're hard enough as it is, but even harder for, that's just his process, the way it works, you know? And it was, you know, there's some, the way to thrive at a show like that, I think, is to be like a creative consultant where you're just coming in maybe one or two days a week and you're not part of the actual right militia yeah that's the tough part you know so what are you working on now uh right now i'm gonna write another book there is a, a memoir a script i want to no i think i'm done with that i might write some one-offs you know sure for magazines or something uh i i, I love the book oh uh, real tell you that's nice i really are you serious because that you know if someone like you likes that it makes me love feel it great. Be love like, it what else like, it, like they're in, and the laughs are surprising not not and not in the way that like i'm surprised you make me laugh but I'm, I'm surprised at what i'm laughing at like you know there are things that are really funny and i'll laugh at those but like for some reason there are weird beats in the book that just killed me that and i don't know that oh, you cool. would i don't know that you would look at them and go like that was the hilarious part but there's just something about your timing you know, i guess i relate to it so much the strand bag bit like yeah. i have things like that they're usually like shoes i just like i i get it i'm not and i don't think it's like a you know an ocd thing i am someone who very much no, you likes both, uh, a lot likes a few things that i'm not apt but to that's change. what but that's, i dress the same way that i've dressed since me too. like sixth but, grade but probably. that's like what magical objects are you invest yeah. them yeah. with you know they have uh, something important in maintaining the continuity of your life yeah yeah no it's it's absolutely true and all and what you said it's true you can change and you, and, and absolutely the thing about Try to be a nicer person. Try to help people more. That's what you can do. But fundamentally, I know at this stage of the game that, um, you know, that the things that are wrong with me, and it is a mental illness, cannot be. They could it could be helped a little bit, you know, but it can't. You can't really change who you are. Well, yeah. My thing is, I've never been. I think for the most part, you know, I'm a pretty decent person when it comes to other people although i can get pissed off I, I i hate when people fuck things up i hate incompetence and i hate people who are just wrong or bad people especially i don't know if you ever had anyone like like i there's a couple people in my life too of genuine narcissists you know what i mean narcissist almost borderline or possibly a sociopath that finally you know that all gets blurred those people are the worst you know what i mean especially but when I, they're successful um, yeah, but you know the good thing about me is anyone that I know who's a who's a narcissist, especially if it was if real narcissist, that a, real real, a real narcissist. Yeah. I don't know about you when it comes to jealousy. We're all jealous, you know, about jealousy, <laughs> of, uh, especially when it comes. To, of course, look, when you go with the stand up. What the fuck are we yeah. talking about? But here's how I am about other writers or anything like who I might know who might be doing better. I honestly am never jealous of success or money. I am only jealous of the quality of the work, and thankfully. The, the couple of people that I might have a problem with that maybe have done well or this and that, I have no respect for their work. I don't think their work is, is good. So therefore, I don't have jealousy. If they did some amazing work, that is my thing. I don't give a shit how rich or 
So you're actually um, powerful, jealous for creative the, reasons. The creative, that's all that's ever but mattered then, But to then me, are you able you know? to enjoy it? Like, you know, if they do amazing work and you're jealous of it? Are you no, a- I'm not that, I'm not that guy. You mean if someone that, that did, would I be able to enjoy the, the good work that someone who I thought, oh, this narcissist yeah. ass? No, I'd be like crying. I'd be awful. I don't even want to watch it. And the thing is, I'm honest. I would not even be able to convince myself that it's a piece of shit. It would be like, motherfucker, it's good. So holy <laughs> shit. So he's actually creatively better than me. That That's... I've not run into that, by the way. So I, <laughs> just, I'm only talking about people that I know who I think yeah. are not good people. Yeah. People that I don't know. It's not like I feel that way about the Coen brothers. I don't know them. Yeah. It's like I can love their movies, you know. Well, here, like, here's what I have to say that I think I, it's not from wisdom. It's just from observation that, you know, this this idea that that fundamental wiring cannot change, but you can uh, take actions and open your heart now uh, more and become a good person. But all those things that you think will will not change fortunately with age and time will make you just a caricature of yourself so no, no matter how menacing they may have been at one time uh, eventually you're just gonna other people are gonna be like oh he's yeah it's kind of silly now yeah, no, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> well i do feel as you said i think a little mm-hmm. bit mellowing although there's times i feel not at all i'm absolutely better than i was than maybe in you know by i think it started to to feel a little bit better in my 40s, you know, I, I and 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 also this sounds awful. I hope that I'm healthy. I hope I live a long life. I but one, I sounds have like to Jim- die before anyone around me dies. That's important. Okay, maybe I, you should write that down somehow. Yeah, and I also Please. am taking some comfort in the fact that you know I'm closer to the end than I was all those other. In a weird way, I don't have a death wish, anything like that. But I'm feeling. If the human life expect, you know, span or expectancy is, you know, eighty some years now or something like that, I think that's just about right. If they said no, we can. There's this pill you can go to one twenty five. I wouldn't take the pill. Oh, more, it's so. Much I think it's. More. I, will, I will. If if I'm lucky enough, and I hope I am healthy enough to live a normal life expectancy, I'm You're happy good. with the number. Of year, I'm good. Well, look, dude. Uh, I love you. It's a good talk, and I'm, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure to talk to you and meet you. I'm and, glad and you I like the book. I love it. That means a lot to me. Love Thanks it. a lot. Thanks, buddy. Powerful, funny, love that guy. Not the most comfortable guy in the world, but definitely hilarious and brilliant. Uh, as usual, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get on the mailing list. Get some merch for some Christmas presents. We'll have new posters up there. The remixed music on today's show is done by DJ Copley. Our theme music is by John Montagna. Uh, again, happy Hanukkah. Again, go to epics.com. I, and if you need information on how to watch my special more later, it premiered on Friday. Uh, I don't know who watched it. A lot of people are asking if they can watch it elsewhere. I don't know. I know that it will be on Hulu in 90 days. I know that I'm proud of it. And... Uh, I hope, he, I hope it gets to people. I know you can go to epics.com to check out where you can get it and how you can get it. I know you, you don't all have epics, uh, but someday you will see it. I promise you you will see it, and it, re- it will remain timeless. So, um, what? Guitar? I can play a little. Hanukkah guitar?
Boomer lives!